Thank you all for joining us today in another special episode of Washington Realtors podcast. My name is Mary Hall Drury, and I work within the Washington Realtors Government Affairs Department. In the previous episode, we talked about how the 2023 legislative session has been labeled the year of housing. And as we look to the future, how 2023 is likely the start of many years that the legislature will focus on this issue. Thankfully, we have hundreds of realtor volunteers working side by side with us, our elected officials, and the real estate community to help our housing policies become a reality. And I've said it before and will again, engaged volunteer members are essential to our success. One of those members is our guest today, Matt Side, Director of Broker Development and Owner at Realty One Group Eclipse in Spokane, Washington. Matt, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely, Mary. Thanks for having me. Matt, you're currently serving as the 2023 Realtor-led steering chair for Washington Realtors. But I understand that in addition to that and your successful real estate career, you also have involvement in a brewery? Yes. (laughs) I may have an ownership interest in a small brewery in Spokane, yes. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Which makes you mine and many others our best friends. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure it's not a midlife crisis, but some people have uh, maybe tagged it as that. Okay, so I promise it was a business decision, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to take artistic license and take a a little bit of a turn here. What got you into the brewery biz? Did you do like homebrew or? No, it really had. I had zero intent to own a brewery ever, ever, ever. It was earlier this year. uh, A good friend of mine sent me a message and said, "Hey, dude, you want to buy a brewery?" And my response was, "No. Why would I want to buy a brewery?" But he persisted, and then he sent me over financials, and I I really was a, a business decision. We were looking at it. We looked at the opportunity, and it's just down the street from our real estate brokerage, which uh, does make for a wonderful opportunity to meet with clients and, and those type of things. So, um, yes, it was a complete accident, and, uh, and we're having a great time. It's uh, My wife describes it as a palate cleanse in all of the things that we do in real estate because we can kind of have a totally different direction that we are looking at building a business. And, um, and it's, it really is a cool way to create community uh, within the neighborhood that our office is and for our real estate brokers. And so, yes, That's awesome. that is the story of how we got into it. I literally watch, when I take people in the back, Mary, to take them on a tour of the brew house, I kind of walk in and I, put my arms out. I said, isn't it pretty back here? And that's about as much as I know about all of the <laughs> tanks and kettles and fermenters. And That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, at the risk of this getting cut, um, what's the name of your brewery? <laughs> it is called Garland Brew Works with an E in works. It's kind oh, of a German, okay. German way of uh, saying that. So it was so. an existing brewery then, correct? It so was you, an existing brewery. Okay, so you we adopted bought the name. It from, yeah, we kept the kept the name, kept actually all the staff. Um, and so we've just done we've done a lot of improvements to the facility, some interior design stuff, built out the patio a little bit better. And uh, my wife is a big board game geek, and so she's added 
several hundred board games to the brewery, which is kind of created a great opportunity for people to come hang out and play games. And so tomorrow is Harry Potter Fest, like it's Pumpkin Fest this weekend. And so we have butterbeer that we have brewed in our brewery on tap. And uh, we're going there tonight with the kids to decorate. <laughs> so, that is the coolest thing ever. Uh, it'll I'm, be fun. I'm going to have to head out to Spokane just for that then. Well, I'll give you a private tour. And I promise yep. I'll know more of the words when we walk through. <laughs> You're like, look, isn't it pretty? Oh, and there's the butter beer. And see. <laughs> and end up. <laughs> That's so awesome. yes, in addition to legislative steering committee, I uh, periodically drop in and uh, pour myself a pipe. Perfect. Well, as well you should. As well you should. So, what got you involved in real estate to begin with? Um, no, I wasn't a friend I, that it, said, "Hey, I have a business no. proposition for you." <laughs> hey, <laughs> you want to get into real estate? No, <laughs> I I developed an interest in real estate actually really young. So, I don't know if you or the people listening to this remember the days of television where at about midnight to two in the morning it was just infomercials yes. and not that i was up watching infomercials at that age like middle school high school uh but my dad worked graveyard and so one one day he came home with or bought and it came in the mail a uh, a course called no money down real estate investing by carlton sheets and as an 18 year old kid, I saw that on the ca- the counter and he never, he never went through it. Like he probably listened to a couple of the audio cassettes and I devoured it. I went through the entire course. I'm 18 years old going through the classified ads, circling all of the houses for sale that fit the criteria and making phone calls. And so my involvement in real estate started in the world of real estate investing. And, um, I even, Again, I was I wasn't even graduated from high school yet, and I had a house in uh, Cheney, Washington, under contract by the university. And uh, it didn't it could have gone through, but my dad was like, "Dude, you're about to go out of college, and I am not managing your rental property, so this is not happening." But um, so that was what got me into it. It was very kind of long circumventing of that before I came back in my mid 20s to actually buy my first property and uh and, and was in investing for quite a few years before i actually became a licensee um and that was i mean i started in such a long story but it the reason i became a licensee my wife was already a licensee and so she was like finding and writing up contracts for properties that we were purchasing but as the market shifted and short sales really became a, a big part of the real estate market. My background was in banking at that time. And so I started assisting brokers around the, around the state, but mostly in Spokane, uh, with negotiating short sales because of my mortgage and banking background. And then the state of Washington decided that the only way you could get paid for your services and that was to have a real estate license. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm getting my real estate license. So that I kind of fell into getting my real estate license at that um at that point because of that so and then it kind of just grew from there that's amazing i mean it's amazing that you knew at that young of an age that you had kind of that passion and level of interest for real estate yeah I, it, it i it's kind of funny that that young yeah it's amazing though i mean kudos to you i um i 
what I was doing at, at 18, um, probably not fit to print. So we won't print it. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <That's fair. laughs> did you join the Realtor Association from day one once you got licensed or did that come later? Yeah, no, in Spokane, the MLS is part of the Realtor Association. So it's kind of right. a non-negotiable. It's a great question, though, because I didn't at the time really appreciate the value of the Realtor Association and um, kind of, for lack of better words, felt like it was a necessary evil because I had to have access to the MLS to do my job. And I guess this is the only way to do it. Uh, it. It took a while before I really saw the value in what the Realtors brought to, to us as licensees. And it probably coincides some with my wife and I starting our own real estate brokerage and the higher level of support that we needed to be able to support our licensees and, you know, things like the legal hotline, for example, didn't mean as much to us until we were the ones making sure that people were following the rules and, and, and those type of things and contracts. So there was an evolution there for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of the journey that going again, I had to become part of one, but I, I gained an understanding of the value of the association the longer I was in a business. Well, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> Can't argue that. So I heard that you've served on a couple of nonprofit boards and that you also mentioned that owning and operating a brewery really has become um, a, a cool place for gathering for members of the community and just kind of becoming almost like a second living room for folks. Mm -hmm. So what has that experience been like? And can you talk about some of those boards and, and, and groups that you've been involved in and what the value you've seen in being involved in that has been and or is? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I, I looking back on the different organizations that I've been a part of, whether it's been, in a board role or just involved in the organization, I think it comes back to a word I used earlier, which is community, like really um, places that that see like our greater community as a place for us to invest our time and our energy. And so um, like a lot of my earlier board roles were kind of youth related. And so, and, but, but then we also volunteered a lot with like food bank and, you know, one of the things that we do in our office every single year, actually, is a brokerage franchise around the country, is we once once a, a year we take a whole day and volunteer. And I know a lot of different offices and organizations do these kind of things, but um, but we really try to find places to support communities. So, and we've done things like plant trees in underprivileged parts of Spokane, where they have like a very very low. Tree amount of tree canopy because they just haven't had the capacity or the ability to afford to do something like that. And it, it's really interesting because quality of life can be so tied to, you know, whether or not you have shade in the summer, especially when you're over here in Eastern Washington. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's different boards. There's a, there was a group that was a part of conversation, uh, equitable home ownership campaign it was kind of a, a group of individuals that were tapped by uh, the officials within the city of Spokane to just have some conversation around how do we create an equitable home ownership program to really help some of those disadvantaged uh, people groups that really have not had that opportunity historically, at least to, to afford housing or, or get into housing. And I mean, if you do any kind of 
research at Almary, you realize the generational increase of wealth by having uh, the ability to own a home during a hundred years ago. It, it just, what I have today is a huge part of, because of my dad and my grandfather and my great grandfather's capacity and ability to own a home, even that, even talking about that first house that I was under contract at 18, the only way I was doing it is because he was co-signing with his VA loan, which meant we could do a zero down purchase. And so had he not had that ability, it would have never opened up the opportunity for me to be where I am today and, and have the opportunity that I have today. So that, that has been a really important piece to myself and to my wife. And as we're looking at places that we spend our time and our energy as volunteer is how does this give back to community and sometimes it's uh at the food bank packing lunches and sometimes it's planting trees and other times it's down the street at the brewery doing an Oktoberfest or pumpkin fest or something like that right um that kind of just kind of pulls people together so that's amazing and and you're absolutely right i think it is definitely a known quantity that there is an exponential factor to the generational wealth building opportunities as it relates to home ownership so that's that's cool that you've been involved in those those types of things and just being a a person that is super involved with the community and creating space for people to hang out and mm-hmm. or get shade and all that kind of good <laughs> yeah, stuff. The, the things that you take for granted, I think, when you have it. Yeah. Well, and drink your beer in the shade. Yeah. Let's see what I did there. Absolutely, totally. <laughs> <laughs> or this time of year under the heaters outside on the patio. Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you had mentioned some of the services that you you and your firm provides is consulting with investors. So can you frame that up a little bit and what type of investments? I know that you talked about that first house that you were looking at when you were 18 as, as I suspect, kind of a property rental investment opportunity there. Yeah. Has it been all within that space or is it other types of... Um, property types and investment types? For the most part, I I think what happened is because that was the direction that I started my real estate career, once I got my real estate license, and and even before that, when Jessica got her real estate license, it it started to draw people toward us that were interested in becoming a landlord and investing in in rental real estate. And so I would say 95, 90 to 95% of our business in that direction and that's obviously not all of our business like that's just a portion of our clientele would be in that kind of rental real estate we we did work with and and do like some flip stuff um at points in our in our history but the majority of of it has been kind of investment and so our clientele is um more mom and pop real estate investor I mean, some of them have a handful or a you know one or two Rental homes, probably our biggest client that we've ever worked with. We have a dozen or a couple dozen okay. uh, rental properties. So that's, that's our space that we're in. Like not a lot of commercial or, or large apartment buildings or anything like that. Sure. Tend to be kind of more single family, duplex, triplex type investing for those clients. Sure. And has the market out in the Spokane area for um, the interest in the market for investing in in rental properties has that waxed waned is it you know it's 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 really difficult right now with interest rates where they are to be super honest like you you're to get any sort of reasonable return 
the price, you know, there's the stickiness still in pricing and, um, you know, the landlord that is selling, for example, doesn't, you know, they have a way better interest rate than the potential landlord that is buying. And so, you know, their cash flow calculations just don't work out the same. And so I think that's been the, the ch- a challenge. Uh, I think it offers opportunity for people that have the capacity, especially if there's cash available sure. to be able to purchase, because there's, there's also going to be opportunity to get a, a little bit better purchase price. Because eventually people need or want to sell, they're going to drop their price down. Right. So, yeah, I think interest rates are impacting it. Yeah. Well, I also imagine kind of the increase in property values as well. So if, for instance, I buy a house today or no, new new scenario. I buy a house 10 years ago and let's say it's $100,000. Fast forward to today, 10 years later, that $100,000 house is... I don't know, let's say 150 or 200,000. And I go to sell it to another person for whom they will convert it into a rental property. The rent that I charge versus the rent they will charge will be significantly different because they need to be able to cover their mortgage and property taxes and ancillary fees. Whereas I had less so is the presumption. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's a tenant remaining in the property, depending on that landlord, that landlord could have raised their rent a handful of times and assuming in our scenario they had a fixed rate mortgage a decade ago and they bought their their mortgage payment hasn't gone up but their rent has so they're feeling pretty good about it the tenant feels great about it because they're under market so now one of two things has to happen either that rent is gonna go up significantly for the tenant or that tenant's gonna have to go back out into the world to try and find a a more affordable home if they can afford that so it does there is a little bit of a domino there for sure and is that kind of a factor in the decision-making process for your clients as well, or less so? I think it is. So I have a client I'm working with right now and, and, and that is selling a property. And it is, and he really, he wanted for a while, like he was like, I want to have another landlord buy this because this tenant has been with me for 15 years and I don't want them to have to move. I'm like, that's great. But the, you know, based on what that tenant is, even what the market is on that, property you know he has kind of kept up with his rental increase um it just the again it comes back to those interest rates yeah his context around what somebody is going to be able to cash flow on that property and the value of that investment ends up having to change right and and to be totally honest most of the interest is not somebody that wants to rent it somebody that wants to buy it and live in it because the inventory is so low right and so yeah, those are those are definite challenges to them. Yeah, to all of that. Yeah, it definitely adds a, a series of complex layers to to that scenario. So, kind of somewhat related, and I I think you touched on it a little bit, um, but I'm going to ask you to dig a little deeper. The kind of referencing back to the 2023 session, and quite frankly, a lot of the sessions leading up to 2023. Um, there has been a, a whirlwind of activity either in the housing space and or uh, property management space. So have any of those policies, you know, from a high level impacted your clients, um, potential investors, sellers, so forth? Um, mm-hmm. And and how has that in, impacted them? Yeah, that's, that's great. I think there's two sides to that. I think the, the lead up into the 2023 session and some of the changes that happen. And part of this comes all the way back to COVID and 
things that were implemented during COVID that never changed back or, or disappeared. And, and specifically this person that I was talking about um, that is trying to sell, like one of the, one of the big challenges is I'll call it the old days. You know, we have a, we have a month to month tenant. Um, my seller wants to keep the tenants if possible. Um, the but the problem is in the old days we could do, you know, a 30 day notice to, to give somebody notice that we're selling the property and for them to move out if they're month to month, because there's no like term of a lease, right. but now we have to give 90 days. So, so the challenge is you get a buyer who doesn't want it to have it as an investment. This buyer wants to live in it themselves right. and they put in an offer. They can't, for them to get a 90 day rate lock is going to be extremely expensive for them to have to wait 90 days for the tenant to move out or, so, I mean, their options are have a really long close, which for a lot of buyers is not affordable because they're already barely able to get qualified for the loan that they have because of where the interest rates are. Option two is close and have a tenant that hasn't moved out yet, which is pretty unattractive for someone who's not a, a landlord in any way. Cause once they don't move out, now I have to evict this person. Um, and then the only other option really is to have moved into this tenant out from the, from the beginning, um, which a lot of landlords choose to do. It makes my job a lot easier. Um, sure. But at the end of the day, it, it makes for the different parties in the all the way, even to the tenant, it means that that tenant is now going to have to move out because there was there's and then the buyer. Mm-hmm. It, it just makes it challenging for this buyer to buy this house. And um so that so coming back to your question about the things leading, you know, the session and some of the legislative impacts to buyers and sellers, specifically just that simple thing of extending out what used to be relative, what I would consider kind of a reasonable amount of time, you give somebody a month to, to move in, find a new place to move into it, and also a reasonable amount of time in a purchase transaction so that everybody can kind of be on the same timeline has now made what seems like it could be a really simple transaction, possibly not even come together. So now seller can't sell their home for as much as they would normally be able to get in the market. Buyer still doesn't have a home to buy because there's such small amount of inventory there and it, it kind of exacerbates the problem. Yeah. So that's, that's been a, a challenge. On the other side though, some of our wins in 2023, like, not having like rent caps and things come in. I mean, that also, that's highly impacting um, to landlords too, from, from, you know, those that are just holding it to those that are trying to buy an investment property. If there are limitations on rental increases for them. And I can, I hear both sides of that conversation. I think that there's reasonable amounts. I think that if you're a massive institutional buyer that you can create your own, ecosystem that you own enough of the non-owner-occupied rental property in an area that now you get kind of almost rent fixed because you own so much real estate. So that I, I understand some of those situations that can be harmful. Yeah. Um, but again, my clients are one to do these, you know, a handful of, of rental property and that it, it becomes more challenging for those. Before we wrap up our conversation... Um, your firm also focuses on mentoring and developing new brokers. So I want to hear about that program and how, how your firm kind of makes that a priority focus. Yeah, I think the part of it is that I really believe that 
training and mentoring and coaching are really just critical to a broker's success in their their career and industry. And so, I mean, it's kind of one of the things that drew us to Realty One Group to begin with was the fact that it they're big on training. Like they they've got a whole course that we were able to kind of pull in and customize called Rev Up, where it's a twelve week course that we can put our have our agents go through. We match them if they're brand new brokers. We match them to uh, an experienced broker in the office to be their mentor that can kind of help them rather than just send them out and say, hey, just go ask questions, ask questions of me, ask questions of other people. Like, here's your mentor. They're going to meet with you on a weekly basis. They're going to, you know, go through what you learned in your rev up course for the week and ask if you have any questions and give you some assignments. And did you do the homework? And the things that 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 new brokers in the business need, because so many people come into this industry out of a much more structured work environment where they've got mm-hmm. you've got to be in here at eight and you get a 30 minute lunch and you you know here's what your tasks are for the day and when you get into real estate it's your business go for it you get to make out of it whatever you want to but without some sort of structure and guidance it, a lot of people will fail at that so um so that's really important to us because we want to see the brokers in our firm and all the brokers in our association we want to see them succeed so that, that's the course that we really focus on and then pairing them with a person that can kind of hold their hand and, and help them. Yeah. So I especially imagine if somebody doesn't have a background in real estate and they they go through the pre-licensing education, they get their license, their, their license is hanging with a new firm, even though they have, what, I think 90 hours of pre-licensing education, they've been meeting with members of the firm, designated broker, managing broker. There's a lot more that they don't know than what they know. Mm-hmm. And so to come up with a question, when you're in a scenario, you don't know what you don't know. It's kind of hard to come exactly. up with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I could say, Mary, do you have any other questions? And, like, ah. and you'll be like, I don't know. Should I? Yeah. <laughs> what does butter beer taste like? Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, even the simplicity of filling out the contract. I mean, you don't, they don't really learn how to do that in their pre-licensing, which I've always kind of thought was interesting. Right. And maybe a, a gap in that that training. And maybe there's maybe it, there's no way to do it. And that's the, the value and the importance of having a designated broker in a firm that really guides you in that. But you can, you can have your real estate license and have never filled out a purchase contract nor understand what this box versus that box really truly means to your client, which is kind of scary. No, it is scary. And thankfully we have designated brokers and managing brokers like yourself and we have Annie. <laughs> yeah. Ab- oh yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that comes back to just speaking to the the value of the realtor association. There's all of the advocacy in the legislature, which is incredible and amazing and it impacts us and it impacts our clients. And there's also just the, the legal side of things to make sure that we're protecting our clients and understanding how to protect our clients and the why behind what we do right. on every little form. That's so important. One of the things I love about real estate, Mary, is that it I've been doing this in some capacity for over 20 years. And there are still situations where I'm like, huh, I'm sure I can do this. I just don't totally know how I'm going to do this. Right. So, um, it just kind of that variety 
to the business. It, having sat in on some of the classes that are taught, especially as it relates to forms, um, it is super granular. And it's, it is, what is it, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. It's totally <laughs> um, true. Often reminded of that whenever I, I watch one of Annie's videos or or uh, or sit in on any of her classes. So yeah, I it, it doesn't surprise me that there's a piece of information that you hadn't yet known, but now you do. Yeah, absolutely. It, again, it keeps my it keeps me wanting to be in this business, right? Like I love helping people, and I love helping people accomplish their goals, even though sometimes I'm like, hmm, let's figure out how to get there. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. I mean, it's it's fun because it doesn't get boring, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and me. Um, we really appreciate your insights. I really appreciate your insights and your participation in the association and your community work and your beer. <laughs> <laughs> You're, well, thank you. And, and I appreciate all of you at Washington Realtors. And um, just all that you do for all of us. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm realizing we've talked a lot about Annie and as we're closing, we should probably for our listeners, help everyone understand if you don't know who Annie Fitzsimmons is, she is the legal hotline lawyer attorney uh, for the Washington Realtors and as designated brokers and artists and actually any broker in our association can reach out to her with legal questions on their contract, their situations and gain some guidance, which is, absolutely invaluable for all of us yeah yeah to hire an attorney individually to talk about an issue that you just kind of need a quick question on some direction yeah it would cost a lot more than your dues that's for sure yeah for sure so anyway we talked a lot about annie and i thought as we wrapped up it would probably be good to make sure all of our listeners with that is no good call i'm glad you did thank you yeah thank you um and thank you to all of our washington realtors members for listening if you have any questions, please reach out to info at warealtor.org. And thank you so much for tuning in.